This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Rick, we talked to perhaps one of the quintessentially fantastic rock photographers, Mick Rock. He is taking pictures of Lou Reed, David Bowie, yes, and many more. Listen to Minutia Men Celebrity Interview on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, informed automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you along. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, and this is another episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And we're going to have one of our BS sessions uh, today. We haven't done a a bullshit session for a while, so uh, we just thought, hey, what the heck? We're still going to do the Car Guys Report guessing game, so you don't have to worry about that. But I just wanted to kind of open up the uh, floor, as it were, between me and Lou to uh, talk about uh, whatever we have going on in our car guy report heads and things like that. And Lou, I'll start just uh, by saying kind of keeping with with the usual chit chat that we do at the top of every episode uh over the uh weekend here of course this will be uh this program will be being aired uh in uh a few weeks so what i say today referencing the weekend will no longer be accurate when it actually is aired but um had a uh, nice uh, road trip so to speak, organized a little bit of a car outing with some of my car guys. And, of course, you were in Arizona, so you couldn't uh, participate. But uh, had the Aston out for a nice 350-mile uh, round trip on some nice rural uh, country roads and uh, just had the uh, car exercised nicely and opened up a little bit. So it's always nice to get your cars exercised in that kind of fashion and uh, just had a, a good time. Had some rain, but uh, that was okay. And it was... It was just a, a nice time to uh, kick back and and uh, have uh, have a little bit of fun. Didn't really see too many cars on the trip as far as uh, driving uh, car people driving their cars, but did spot a few things on the side of the road ver- uh, versus you know cars that are just uh, parked, whether it's at a garage or somebody's house that looks like it hadn't been run for a very long time. There was a black. Uh, four-door uh, 57 Chevy that was on a trailer. Looked like it may be getting ready to be restored. I wasn't sure. And then I also saw a Jag XJS V12 that uh, looked like it was parked for about uh, 10 years. And I was thinking, you know, even if you got that car for like 300 bucks. It just would be a, a, a nightmare to try to get running again because, uh, you know, once a leather interior deteriorates to the point of no return, it would just be hideously expensive to redo it in leather. And then getting that uh, V12 up and running again with all the rubber that would have to be replaced on it, I was just thinking, you know, that's probably a parts car. But it was interesting because the first thing I looked at on the back was to see if it said V12, and it did. So um, I'm like, wow, okay. And this also brings up another thing, too, Lou. This is interesting. I think you'll, you, I want to see get your opinion on this this was about uh, a month or so ago um my girlfriend and i were uh, out on a little jaunt in the uh, challenger 
And we were driving by, we were kind of out in the country, and we were driving by a used car dealer. And there was a car that was uh, parked. It wasn't for sale, but it was parked in the uh, parking lot. And I'm like, oh, wow, that looks like a, uh, you know, I wasn't sure what it was. And I said, it looks, I thought it was a Lamborghini Huracan. And then when we got farther down the road, I looked at the back end. I'm like, no, wait, that's, why does it have Camaro taillights on it? Then I'm like, oh, wait, that's the new C8 Corvette. So I'm like, okay. That's a great way to ruin your brand uh, recognition among people because if if a car guy like me is driving by this this brand new C8 Corvette and doesn't even recognize it as a Corvette, I think something is wrong. It was uh, like a charcoal gray, didn't have a lot of contrast on it, so it kind of just blended in and looked like any other mid-engine car. But um, have you had that phenomenon yet? Because I was just disappointed. I'm like, you know, the only way I could tell it was a C8 is by looking at the taillights. And even then, I wasn't impressed. But Well, the, I had the counter-opposite reaction you had, meaning when I saw it, I said, oh, this must be a Ferrari coming at me. And then I got alongside it as it was passing me, okay. or I should say, out, you know, looking out the side, and then seeing that um, boomerang in the side of it mm-hmm. with the air intake goes in, uh, I immediately recognized, oh my gosh, this is the new Corvette. And then seeing the back end of it, it reminded me a lot of the last version of the Corvette. The C7. Yeah, I can see that where you get that similarity there. I didn't really see the, 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 the boomerangs, as we're calling them, on that car, the car that I was talking about that I saw, because, like I said, it was kind of monochromatic. And I think it was either black oh, okay. or charcoal gray, and it just kind of blended right in. Because a lot of times when you have a colored um, C8, like an orange or red, and the and the boomerangs are either carbon fiber or black or something like that, so they're going to stand out. And this one, they didn't stand out, so that's why I didn't immediately recognize it as a C8. But I'm like, wow, that's interesting. And I even I, I even kind of leaned over and, and, and talked to my girlfriend. I said, wow, that was the new C8. And I didn't even recognize it. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. But, um, you know, I've seen, I think a, when, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I think when you look at the front of it and you look at the C7s and if you put them side by side, you'd say, Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I see where the nose is, is similar. Um, but you know, that's, that's the thing that's, that's, uh, creative about designers you know, is they they do want to put elements that give you reminders of what it is, whether it's a Porsche 911 or, you know, with the shape or, or it's a, uh, well, for that matter, a Volkswagen Beetle or something like that. Uh, they want the shape indication to give you some kind of a, a creativity of that. But, uh, yeah, still definitely made it a uh, a different car and, and uh, definitely gave it, in my opinion, because it is a mid-engine, you know, Ferrari Qs. Yeah, well, that's what I see when I see it. I don't see a lot of similarity personally between the front end of the C7 versus the C8 because the C7 is pretty long and low, and the C8 kind of drops off more rakishly, and it's not as long, I don't think, as the C7, obviously, because the engine's not in front. But I do see that Ferrari, Lamborghini, whatever you want to call it, mid-engine supercar look to it, and that's the thing that I think is diluting their their image because people just don't recognize it as a Corvette. Maybe once they realize it's a Corvette, they'll go, oh, yeah, wow, that's awesome. Oh, that's the new Corvette. But to me, it's just like, I know it's such a radical departure, but we've talked about this before, too. I mean, in every design, a generational change in the Porsche 911, they've still kept that same midsection with the roof and the and the rear window and, and that look and, and more or less the headlight look 
um, except with the 996s with the fried egg headlights. But um, I don't know. I, I, the jury is still out. I still haven't talked to enough of people because I haven't gone to any car shows this year to get more of a feedback from, you know, either Joe Q public or just people walking around or, or, or participating in a car show or a cruise night or a cars and coffee saying, what do you really think about the new C8 now that it's here and you've seen it in person? So uh, it's just interesting to, to you know, how it's going to play out. Uh, with everything but you know they've had a couple of teething issues here and there nothing major so far um although there was something i believe with a a brake issue a a few weeks ago that was announced but um that's to be understood with a brand new uh, design like that when it uh, is first released so if you're hankering for one probably wait at least until 2021 or 2022 for uh buying a c8 and then you'll get a car that is 100 percent sorted out and uh maybe more people will recognize it as such you're listening to the car guys report make sure to tell a friend about uh, our podcast i'm sure you're enjoying what you're listening to and we do thank you for that we are available online at radio misfits.com uh, we're also available on spotify you can go to opishows.com and search uh, opi and uh, find us there hey, we're also available on amazon music podcasts and amazon audible so we're in a lot of great places and we're certainly glad to be on amazon uh, these days as well you can email us at any time car guys report at hotmail.com is our email inbox 24 7 access to that complaints uh, compliments uh, suggestions anything you want send it along to us at car guys report at hotmail.com we're doing our piled higher and deeper uh, episode here, the PhD and BS uh, for the Car Guys Report on this episode. And Lou, I was going to just toss it over to you and see what you wanted to chit chat about. Maybe we can touch on something that uh, we both participated in recently. We were invited to be guests on one of our other OPI podcasts. We're all family, I guess you might say. Uh, Steve Baskerville and uh, Howard Sudbury had us on their podcast called Back to You, and he had uh, just a great time talking about cars and one of the questions that steve posed to both you and i was um had we ever driven a right-hand drive car here in the states and because um, howard sudbury said he had when when he drove went to england but not here um i've never done one and you were saying well i'm probably going to do one coming up and you were telling me that uh, just uh, this you know, a few days ago, since you're in Arizona at uh, Chateau Costable West, uh, you <laughs> you finally uh, had the opportunity to drive a right-hand drive car. So tell us about that. Well, two things before I jump into that. One is, you, uh, thanks for cracking me up with the Chateau West Costable. <laughs> I'll have to bring that up to my wife. She'll love that. Um, but I think, and, and you know how you have, uh, uh, we're always improving the show, and it, how you usually will talk about things you've seen on the road. We oh, yeah. probably have things, things Mark's seen on the road and what car has Lou been driving in lately. And, and not necessarily driving, but riding in would probably be more accurate. And I can discuss one of the cars that I was doing a, a, a video on that we had some time to ride in. So uh, that said, we should maybe include that in future sure. episodes. Think about that. But uh, to answer your question, so... Um, because of my very uh, low self-esteem and small ego, uh, I uh, had to jump right in when Steve Baskerville said, uh, have you guys ever driven a right-hand drive car? And I'm thinking to myself, 
of all the questions he could have asked, like what was the coolest car you've ever been in, or what's the most expensive car, or, or what's your favorite car, you know, to start off with it, and then you and I have no response. Exactly, yeah. Man, I, I haven't. Yeah, I hadn't either. You know, I mean, you know, it, it would be like meeting Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer, and going, so how's your rock climbing? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I swim. That's what I do. So back to the car guys report. So. Uh, immediately when I got here to Chateau West Costable, as Mark is calling it out in uh, Arizona, I uh, called a, a friend who had a uh, two right-hand drive uh, British cars. He had an MG, a 48 MG, and a, I want to say, I'm going to answer this question, uh, a Triumph, but I'm trying to see what year it was. And it's a Triumph we had uh, talked about, I believe it was on the Car Guys Report guessing game on a previous episode. Yeah. And you were gushing and I, on and on. And I believe that was the car that you said he had a whole other set of body panels made for it. That is exactly. The yeah. Car. I, call, I called it the Ultimate TR3. So if you went to YouTube and punched in the Ultimate TR3, uh, you'll see that it's right-hand drive. And I called it the Ultimate TR3. It's a 1956 Triumph racetrack car, I call it, because uh, it is a TR3. Um, but usually a TR3 came with a four-cylinder that wasn't, as exciting, you know, it had the horsepower. I think my lawnmower out. In the yeah, cover. I think it was probably an agricultural tractor-based engine or something like that. So right, <laughs> yeah. Well, this person who uh, apparently the money was not an object for them. They just continued to pile money into this thing to make it a track car. And from what I understand, I got a little more history on the car. Uh, is that the once this car was race ready and got to the track, because and although it was class correct. Uh, from size and engine size, it was beating everybody so badly on the track that they then dis. What do you call it when they when they say you're not allowed? They they you know they you well, they don't yeah they disqualify you in your class or yeah, something like that yeah that's, that's exactly what they disqualify you saying no you're you're just running too fast compared to everybody else this isn't fair ah. so yes yeah, so then the car was disqualified but it was a 1956 Triumph TR3. And uh, needless to say, it was right-hand drive, four-speed, uh, and, uh, you know, like any other four-speed, the one thing that I would say uh, that I started to do, as Steve was talking about this, was I overthought it, meaning it was uh, identical to any other four-speed car where you usually have your left hand on the steering wheel and your right hand on the stick shift. Mm -hmm. You're just reversing uh, that. Yeah, and, and either you're sitting erect in your chair, or sometimes you have a tendency to lean over towards the right, towards your stick shift, because that's the hand that's moving. Well, this was the counter-opposite. You're either sitting directly straight up in the right or the passenger, uh, the driver's seat is now the passenger seat for what we're normally used to, and then taking your left hand and doing the same pattern. But your feet were normal. That wasn't a problem. It was just... Was it uh, weird I, having I, your accelerator pedal out on the you know the same same location or same order as a left-hand drive car but having it be on the far you know what we would consider the passenger side uh outer of the passenger side did that feel weird at all to you or no no your feet your feet were not tricked if you want to call yeah. it that your feet were like okay this is normal for me it's you know gas brake clutch so your feet were not tricked at all it was just shifting a little bit of the brain set yeah. over into your into your hands and uh, surprisingly, it was uh, ex extremely normal and convenient, and I didn't, you know, run off the road at any time or cross <laughs> the, the yellow line into oncoming traffic. None of that happened, and uh, it was actually a, a wonderful sunny day ride that was uh, nothing short of glorious. So, and, you know, I think one reason that car was beating the, the other cars in its class is it weighs next to nothing. It probably weighs about 15, 16, 1,700 pounds at best, which is nothing. 
And depending on how much the driver weighs, I, that's, I think that's a big reason why that car was, was beating uh, other cars on the track, uh, even though it's, you know, classed supposedly with yeah. other cars. But then you said it had a bigger engine in it, too, so I don't know how they would work that. But Yeah, and let me give credit to where credit is due, because Rich does have two cars, and originally he said, you're going to drive the MG, which would have had about 35 horsepower, and uh, that would have been not as exhilarating and wonderful of ride. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I said, I said, you sure I can't take the TR3? He goes, oh, and he goes, no, I'm just kidding. You can take the TR3. Wow. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, you know, I mean, it, you know, imagine that you're, you know, we're in, we're in suburban roads, so we're not on the racetrack. But imagine if you have the choice between driving a Corvette or if you have the choice of driving a 1948 car that, you know, the wheels are bicycle thin and, you know, you're... I like your engine sounds. They sound like a machine gun. That's what it kind of sounded like, you know, sputtering and sputtering and stuff like that. You know, so you wanted something with a little, you know, you know, you wanted that sound. Are you ever nervous when you get into a car like that that's had so much money invested in it to build it? That you're afraid that, you know, you just might screw something up or or you're afraid of, like you were saying, I didn't run off the road or drive through some gravel or whatever. Or is it just, you know, are you with an owner that's just like, just, you know, drive it and have fun? Well, two, two parts to that. Number one, I always respect somebody else's stuff. So I'm not getting in and, you know, if it's a muscle car and lighting it up with a burnout, yeah. you know, as we're taking off out of the parking lot. You know, I, I never do that because and there's a great reason why because if you show them the respect when they're in their car a little secret here they'll let you drive their other cars because they can trust you (laughs) but unless they're riding with you you just wait until you get down the street and then you do the burnout (laughs) well no that you know i i I keep it consistent because there's so many cameras you know etc etc and people can be like yeah we saw Lou Jordan burn out your car he had it on the youtube channel it was great yeah so, so that doesn't happen but uh um, the others, if I, unless they actually say step on it. Yeah, exactly. You know, if yeah. To, if they tell me to say, if they tell me step on it, then then the opposite happens. Then I have to oblige them, or else I'm, you know, if if you go to someone's house, one of the things I learned as a salesperson was, you know, if they offer you some water or something like that, take it. I thought, yeah. oh, well, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I'm not thirsty. They go take it anyway because it shows them respect. They wanted to offer you something, so. If that has the case where they say let's light it up, then then it's my obligation to you know rub the crap out of it and let's have you know do the, do the best I can without breaking it. So, and, and even that, I, you know, I'm not gonna if the if it's a '63 Corvette and it revs to six grand, I'm not gonna try to take it to 6500 or something like that. So, I'd be conservative in five and, and go from there. But um, I had so much fun with 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 the sounds and things. So, um, help me out with the question again. Uh, I, well, I just said that. Do you ever feel? Uh, are you ever nervous or 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 yeah. whatever okay. driving yeah. a car that's had so much? Because we're talking. I you said something like a, at least a quarter million put into this car. Well, this one was unusual because uh, uh, you know, first of all, nobody usually puts that much money into a car like that. Into a TR three, yeah. This this person wanted a dual aluminum body panel, so in case there was ever an accident, you can literally and everything repainted. So it was literally like making two cars yeah. and, you know, hand pounding it out. So uh, it was quite the unusual uh, vehicle itself. But back to your question, now that I'm regained uh, thought pattern. So at first when I did, when I was doing the, this is a great question because at first when I was doing the My Car Story videos and truthfully, I was very, uh, I'll say respectful of the car 
very nervous about getting in someone's car and very nervous about touching any knob on a car that was, <laughs> let's just say, in the 40s or the 50s sure. that could sometimes disintegrate in your hand, yeah. right? So, yeah. Uh, or, you know, getting in a leather seat that hasn't been sat in and all of a sudden it cracks as you sit in it. Now there's a massive crack in the center. So I uh, was very uncomfortable. And if you watch some of my very early videos, some of them I call the burnt cookie videos, um, you'll see that my videos from a time standpoint were uh, in my in 2013 were like two and a half minutes to three and a half minutes tops. And it was really because of my own insecurities where I said, who the heck's going to want to listen to me? And and I wasn't comfortable in people's car. Well, wait, wait, what are you saying? I'm, oh, oh, I, yeah, you're talking. Okay, I have to pay attention to you. It's a joke. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, they, you, to your point, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, it took a while to get to the car guy's report. There were, uh, I, quite honestly, I'm hugely humbled because there were 15 <laughs> other people. I know when you chose me over Mario Andretti and yeah. DJ Floyd. <laughs> You know, how impressed I was by that. You know, granted, I could understand why, you know, someone who was driving, you know, other cars, you wouldn't be impressed. With. But Mario Andretti and AJ Floydman saying, you know what, guys, I know you want to be on the car before with Mark Vernon, but I'm choosing Lou. And they were like, you know, I can understand that. Yeah, exactly. Very, yeah. Humble, yeah. Very supportive of the, of the choice. So, uh, but back to the, back to the nervousness. So, yeah, extremely nervous. Um, and then when I would watch the videos and I would talk to the owners about it, and they would be doing two things. Number one, sharing more with me because they saw the format. But more importantly, they were like, you know, take a little time on, you know, that interior or take a little time on that engine. And when I looked at my videos and I saw how fast I brushed over yeah. things, I realized that as a viewer, I, was, I wasn't experiencing what I wanted out of it, which is really, and you're the same way, we really like to sit back and I'll use your car collection as an example and enjoy each piece mm -hmm. individually. Yeah, And when you get that chance to really uh, almost become, we'll call it a car connoisseur, then quality is actually slowed down because, you know, you know, it's, uh, I was a little bit wham, bam, do your car, sir. And then I became a little more uh, polished and, um, and really focusing and not going so fast. Well, especially so. on, on so many older cars too. And I'm talking, you know, uh, cars from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and into the 60s, uh, and especially a lot of the you know European import makes. Uh, there's so many details, even on the interior. Like they, they have way more. Some have way more switch gear than others. And like, well, what does this switch do? You know, I have never seen that before. Or just the detail, like on my '58 Impala, it's got the copper door panels and the crazy striped seats, and that's all stock. And there's just that, that thing that you have to just kind of sit back and take all in. And I can definitely see what you're saying is this, that you slowed things down and you're enjoying and showing the detail of what these cars have to offer. And I think it's that's the way it should be. So I'm glad you've done that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad you've done that. Well, we should talk about something else now. Okay. Well, if you want, that's fine. I mean, this is we're, we're kind of open-ended here. Um, one thing I yeah, wanted to touch on briefly, and I know we've talked about this before. This will be. I don't. I didn't want this whole episode, our bullshit episode, to devolve into a but. Uh, you know, like a big bitch session. But um, I and, and just some of the guys that 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 went on the little outing um, that I was talking about at the top of the show. We were we were talking about this, and this is always something that continues to come up. Is how long it takes uh, places 
to fix your car these days, and we're talking about when you have a you know either a collector car or a special interest car, you know not a not your you know nineteen ninety nine Toyota Camry or your daily driver. We're talking about you know your your classic Porsche or in my case my Firebird that just finally is going to be getting out of the body shop soon enough. But uh, it's been there almost two years, which is ridiculous. But um, uh, one of the guys was saying that he had his Porsche 928 at a local place, and they've had, they've had it for three months just to do some kind of um, something with the cam or the, the valve train or something, not a really huge thing. And he was saying, like, yeah, well, this guy is kind of like putting people ahead of me that have, like, more expensive cars. I'm like, well, what, your money's not green enough for him? You're paying the same amount that they are. Your money's just as good as anybody else's money, so it shouldn't go in a pecking order like that. I think that's a really, you know, bad thing to do, and I've heard of of things like that before. And then there's all these other places that are run by, like, you know, one guy, and he takes in too much work, and he'll keep your car for just weeks and weeks that turn into months, and you're wondering, why is this taking so long to get my car back? And I think one of the things that we kind of decided was when you t- take your car in, I always say, well, I'm not in a hurry for it because I have, a, you know, I have nine cars. So obviously I don't need this thing back next week unless I was going to a concourse car show or something for some reason. And um, my friend said the same thing. He goes, he goes, yeah, I tell him that I don't need it uh, right away or whatever. I'm not in a hurry for it. And we both kind of looked at each other and said, I think we have to stop saying that because I think that's hurting our uh, our chances of getting our stuff back in a timely manner. But, you know, it, it, it happens with interior people. It happens with body people. It happens with mechanical people. I've had, you know, I could just go down the list of, of all my friends that have collector cars that have been in this situation. And I just find it just extremely frustrating and it's not like they're not paying their bills either i mean if you have a car that's that's undergoing restoration you're going to be sitting there writing them checks fairly periodically and if you stop writing checks they're going to stop working on your car but in this standpoint they're fixing you know they're they're working on a car that should maybe take a week or two tops to fix if they're organized and and things like that and they just kind of you know maybe look at your car and go like oh well that one can wait i got this other you know 356 porsche i'd rather be working on instead of this 928 piece of crap from 1985 so I just find that very frustrating. Uh, I don't know if you've experienced that because your car, your cars aren't really that old, and it seems like you don't drive them enough, maybe to <laughs> get into a situation where you need repairs on something. But, um, but you were telling me like a, a friend of yours that had the Cadillac XLR that had some kind of issue with the top, and they were having trouble sourcing parts or something like that. I mean, what's your take on that whole situation as far as places that are taking too long to fix a car? Well. I uh, my take on that is the one time that I had an experience like that was in my uh, Dodge Viper. When you open up the hood on a Dodge Viper, the air intake, the uh, fuel pump, and some other parts have this very uh, matte gray finish. And there's actually not many aftermarket accessories for a Viper because they didn't make that many. So if you got yourself a Mustang or a Camaro or a Corvette, you know there are companies that just make chrome intakes they just make chrome battery covers they just make chrome this with a beautiful corvette logo on it they're just so cool and then you can have other options it could be all black chrome you know metal pieces or or whatever or or burgundy or body color whatever yeah whatever you want other logos so i thought 
uh, you know, I wanted to individualize mine just a bit. So I had found a person who polished aluminum or polished aluminum and would polish the intake. And um, so I had the intake polished. Well, just like you said, uh, money talks. Yeah. I realized after it had been there a, a week, uh, I asked the guy, I said, when do you think it'll be done? And, he, and I had actually had to go on eBay and buy another intake. So I actually sent, sent this intake off to, to him. So my mm-hmm. car was still functioning. Yeah. And then when it came back, well, when it came back, um, so you hit it on the head. So when I talked to him, I said, is there a, um, an amount of money that would get mine closer to being <laughs> done in a week? And he said, well, if you gave me this much, it would be done at the end of the week. I said, you now have this much. Get that done at the wow. end of the week. So. So, um, yeah, money's going to talk, I mean, especially with these guys. And to your point, this is a one-man operation. It was probably in the middle of cornfield somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just shipped it out to Missouri somewhere. Was he actually and, charging uh, you more, though, then, when yeah. the way it worked out, when you said how yeah, much he, will it take? So you were actually yeah. getting paying like a premium to, to move up in the in the queue, so to speak? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and think about that. Now, think about it a different way. See, I'm not so offended with that. I'll tell you why. Think about if you went to the movies or a baseball game, right? Uh, and if you went to a baseball game, you're going to pay more for the seats that are closest to the field than if you're sitting in the bleachers of the third deck, right? So since I'm now, you know, so far back from the field, how can I get my chances to move up in the field. So if it costs me more for a quote unquote premium seat, I'm not totally offended with that. So, um, you know, I, I, I get it. And, and if you're asking, I'll call it a favor, uh, you know, to, to, you know, then, then you, you pay the piper. So, um, that doesn't completely offend me, but, uh, I can understand where. I, I think that's just a bad way to do business though, because, um, you know, you have to, you have to, if you're willing to take in the work at the beginning, then you have to be able to turn that work around at a fair price or at an agreed upon price when you, when you drop off and in a timely manner. And, you know, when you're a one, one time guy, you're or a sole proprietor or one man shop or whatever you want to call it, maybe they have the luxury because a lot of times those places have plenty of business. So they can just kind of treat you like crap if they want. And say like, well, you know, I don't really need your business. So I mean, that's kind of the, the the feeling I get from that story that you told me. And I mean, I guess it all worked out in the end. But I just think it's 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 not a good precedent, and it just seems like it happens a lot these days, where these places just take not not necessarily charging you more if you want to move up in the queue, but just taking too damn long to fix your car. And it's just very frustrating. I mean, in case in point, I've been very, very, very patient with my Firebird, which is getting, you know, just a partial repaint. And it's mainly because this is a relatively small shop and it's a production shop. So they're not really made to be doing work on collector cars. But they do are willing to take those cars in from time to time, like mine. But then the the guy that I'm working with is basically the manager of the shop, and he wanted to do all the work himself instead of turning it over to his lackeys, which I I don't have a problem with that. But it still just shouldn't. And my question is, why can't you just put it into the queue with everything else? So you've got like three cars you want to get out this week. Put my car in the queue so it'll get done just like any other car, instead of going like, oh, yeah, I'll get around to that on the weekend or whatever. And that's basically what happened. So, you know, I did see the car a week ago. 
and it's 95% done. It looks awesome. So we're almost there, but it's just, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm too laid back. Maybe I'm, I'm too nice of a guy to sit there and cause, cause my worst nightmare in, in a situation like this would be to just get, just to get pissed off at him and go, look, fix my damn car or finish my damn car so I can get on with it. And maybe he would get mad and he'd go like, well, just take your car back. And especially with body work, you don't want to have a half finished body work job and try to take it to some other body shop and have them finish it because they would want to redo all the work that's already been done. And that's just not going to work. So obviously that so, it never got to that point. But that yeah, was here's your real here's your real issue. Your real issue is about fairness and ethics. And my issue is I understand your issue completely and I agree with it. However, I understand how business operates. It's almost the difference between you're a single guy with a girlfriend who will take a nice ride with you, and I'm a married guy, and you have to play a different game. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> and the game, you know, the game you have to play is 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 you know yes, dear. You know, you still being single still get the freedom of you know hey, you know I could walk at any time here, you know, and vice versa, she could walk at any time. But when you're married, you, you have to you have to understand how the business is played, so to speak. And it's, you know, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm still going to be the gardener no matter what I do at my <laughs> place, no matter how big you, you know, I could be on, you know, uh, velocity channel, motor channel, you know, and, and, and think I'm a big deal and have, I don't know, 2 million subscribers, uh, or, you know, Jay Leno is your best friend. And yet my wife would be like, so did you see the flowers here that weren't planted? And you know, yeah, okay. All right. I get on that. <laughs> so the garbage has, so I, I think I understand what you're saying here, but like in the case of the body shop, what, what is your analogy there exactly though? So my, my analogy is, Ethically, when you walk in and you agree on a price, yeah. Um, well, I understand yeah, that know, when I, you get an estimate, that there's there's leeway there. I mean, that's understandable, especially right. body work, because you never but know what you're going to find. Saying, you, you would hope that they're going to stick to their agreement and their estimate, and if they do and they agree to the terms and the time frames, everything's going to be perfect. Yeah. That's ethically what you hope, and you hope that they've done it enough times that they can do that. But I'm saying, in reality. You know, there could be some big sways. And I'll use as an example, if you've ever watched the show called Phantom Works, um, you know, the guy says, you know, yeah, I'm making this estimate. And then they open up the engine and the crankcase is cracked yeah. in half. And then they have to go back to the guy and say, well, this is a lot bigger problem. You know, it always has kind of a happy ending to it. Uh, it and that's why it's on the show, because if it didn't have a happy ending, they're probably not showing you that one. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure that happens, too. You know, it's, it's uh, and this goes back to the wife analogy. You know, your wife sometimes wants you, meaning me, to look good, not for me, for her. I see. So so, yeah, so when we're out, it makes her look good. So does that so, does that explain the hair dye, Lou? Yeah, I, it could be, yeah, I could have no hair dye. <laughs> for me, I could wake up with unshaven for me. <laughs> I could wake up with my hair on fire for me. But if I'm out with her, I have to have either hair dye or I have to, you know, chair gel or something I would never even think of on my own. The Armani so suit. <laughs> Yeah, so so as a guy, we just get out of bed, we scratch our face, we go, and we go to a car show, and we have a blast, and we drive something way too fast, and yeah. we have a stupid smile on our face. But when you go out with her, see, then you, yeah, you have to play, you know, 
you can't be as free at the car show. I can't, you know, just run and go, dude, nice car. Let's rev that up. You know, I mean, I can't do that. I, I have to go, oh, wow, that's a really nice car. We should talk sometime afterwards when we buy ourselves and we can do that. Yeah, I got I got to say that, you know, uh, hair dye, real men, and relationships. It's all part of the bullshit session here on the Car Guys Report and Formed Automotive. But every car guy who just heard that, is nodding his head and and, and saying, yeah. yeah. I get, I get you. Luke. I get, I get you. that. I yeah. Yeah. If you like the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, be sure to check out some of the other great programs that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the show Free Kicks. It's an OPI show. Rick Kempfer and Adam Howarth discuss all the latest in the world of soccer. You can listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, Amazon uh, Podcasts, Amazon Audible, and wherever you find podcasts, we're all over the place to search for Radio Misfits. And that's where you'll find us. We are the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. I hope you brought your shovel because we're piling it higher and deeper today with our uh, our BS session, as we're calling it, uh, just kind of chit-chatting back and forth about uh, various car topics. We've talked I, about... I got, uh, I, got, I got one for you. Good. Go ahead. So, so I'm going to hit a car brand. You give me the top three models you choose. I'll give you the top three models I'd choose. Okay. So I'm going to start easy. I'm going to start uh, Chevrolet. Current. Are you saying current or any? I'm, no, any any time, any era. Any really? Time. Wow. Yeah, well, I'd have to say that that's a somewhat of a loaded question because I've got the 58 Impala, so that's got to be on the list. Um, I would go with some sort of a, uh, are you saying personal, what we would like personally? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, something like, uh, I wouldn't mind having some kind of funky Corvair at some point. I think, uh, that could be a lot of fun and, um, maybe a big, uh, one of those big, like Kingswood station wagons that we've talked about, like those big honking mid seventies, uh, Chevy station wagons with the cool, uh, clamshell, uh, tailgate rear window combination. That's, 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 that, those are my picks. That's just quite, quite a wild, uh, quite a wild assortment. Three times Chevy's all time. And you pick a wagon. <laughs> well, wow. Well, I already I, had I a Corvette, you know, I'm, I'm done with that now. This is this is why the Car Guys Report, in my opinion, is so much fun. Because I, you know, when we're next to each other, etc., when we're, we're hanging out, I did not see that coming. All right, so. Uh, well, you're going to be Mister Split Window Corvette, I'm yeah. sure. Yes. Yes. And uh, then you're going to be. Yeah. Then you're going to be. I don't know. Maybe a a big block. Camaro, like a 69, one of those really rare ones that's got like that 427 aluminum big block in it. And then... Yeah. Nice choice. And um, then you might also take a... Well, I don't know. I don't know what the third one would be for you, so enlighten me. Well, you're right You're right there with, with yours. It would probably be the 57 Chevy, just because okay. I think the design, the design is iconic. Yeah. Uh, and I would actually prefer the convertible versus the hard top. Okay. Um, so, so just giving me longer lines in the eyebrows up front and longer lines on the fins by having the top down. Um, but that would be that would be my that would be my three choices. But boy, I feel like uh, um, you know the old song. Uh, you know, do you like pina coladas? You know, do you like going out in the <laughs> ring? And you didn't know your partner for because. Uh, 
your choice of the Corvair out of all the Chevys that are out there, and then your choice, which that was that one was already had my mouth open, and then my jaw actually like went like my socks. I'm picking it off off my <laughs> socks when you went wagon. Yeah, I was like, wow. All right, well now I'm I'm curious. All right, let's go a little more. Uh, we'll stay on GM for a moment. What would be the top three Buicks? Wow, that's uh, that's an interesting one. Um, since uh, Bill Kubik is our 1958 Buick specialist here on the Car Guys Report, and we've had him on uh, the program from time to time, I would say uh, either there, there's a couple of there's probably three 1958 Buicks that I could choose from. I'm not saying they're all going to be my top three are all 58 Buicks, but it would be between a, a, a 58 Buick Century, a 58 Limited two door hardtop. Or a oh, wow. fifty-eight uh, Buick Caballero station wagon. Those, those would be one of those. Would be my first Buick choice. Uh, and, and and I just say this because I just came across online recently a, a nineteen fifty-eight limited two-door hardtop for sale. And, and 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 our Buick specialist Bill has a four-door limited, which is a beautiful car. But the two-door is just totally over the top. I know you like the convertibles because you did one on your um, YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou. But the hardtops, you, you, the two-door hardtop 58 Limiteds, you don't see very often at all. Most of the ones you see are the convertibles, and uh, maybe you'll see the four-doors. But you don't see the two-doors that often with the hardtop. It's just a beautiful, massive, unbelievable car. Um, I'd have to go with the 69 LeSabre because that was my first car. Uh, the family, wow. family hand-me-down. Uh, ours was a two-door hardtop. Uh, had the base engine in it, which was the 350 two-barrel uh, V8 with uh, about 230 horsepower, and it had the Super Turbine 300 transmission, which is basically Buick's version of the Power Glide. So it was a two-speed automatic. It was that lime green metallic with a black vinyl interior. So I would go with that just for nostalgia. And then um, maybe something kind of goofy. This might sound a little out there, but maybe something uh, like a Buick Rayada which was that uh, two-seater they made in the yeah, well, uh, early 90s, I believe. Yeah, they, they, they took a, uh, they made like one a dealership or something like that. They, they didn't make, well, they made a little more than that, but they, they didn't make a whole lot. It wasn't a big seller. And it's just kind well, of an oddball car, but. Yeah, I could, I could see that. That, that, uh, that was a good one. I, I didn't see that one coming. Um, I mean, you don't strike me as a Buick guy. So, what are your what are your choices? Uh, I would uh, probably I would go right to the muscle car era. Okay. So I would I would uh, it would not be that new Buick crossover that they got right now that looks like a uh, looks like an apple rolling down the street that you could push over <laughs> with uh, with your hands. But uh, it would uh, probably go with the uh, the GSX. Okay. Yeah. Remember, remember the Buick with the with the then they put it. It was right around that uh, Apollo. Uh, it was either Apollo white or Saturn yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I'd probably go with the Saturn yellow just because I think that was a little more dreamy and it was so un-Buick at the time. You know, versus your uh, Electra or LeSabre to me is very Buick. Um, yeah, the '58. The 58 uh, Chrome King, as I called it, uh, Limited, is just an amazing, an amazing beast. Uh, it's a parade all by itself yeah. coming down the street. And then um, the other one I think with, um, I think I'd go, this is a car that I didn't like at first. I was almost kind of disappointed with it, meaning that uh, the Grand National. 
Okay. Because, because I didn't like the Grand National because, you know, how can you make a six-cylinder turbo be faster than the Corvette? How un-American is that? <laughs> you know, it, it was almost the anti-American car for me because I... I, I, I just uh, I had negative feelings for it. And you only make it one color. I can't believe it's happening. You know, yeah. So, but, but over time, um, I have come to get over myself and my ego. And I think I like that car now. So uh, that, that one's, that one's, one's kind of caught my attention. Uh, I think it'd be a pain to clean because it's black. But other than that, I think, I think it'd be the Grand National a GSX and probably the, the 50s uh, Buick. You know, some of those early Buicks, like the Roadmasters, like a 53 where they chopped the top of mm-hmm. cool, but I don't Well, the Skylarks are cool. And then another yeah. one that, that would be a close third on mine, and, and we'd be kind of remiss if we didn't mention it, would be, you know, some sort of 60s Buick Riviera, you know, like a 64 Riv. Oh. I mean, that's a classic, yeah. stone-cold classic car. I mean, just great styling. Yeah. And our... Our man in the yeah. field, Roger Rexroad, and I'm sure I'll get a text when, from him when this uh, episode airs, um, because that's what he does. He's our man in the field, and he's, he's, he takes it upon himself to either add colorful commentary or correct us when we're wrong. And we're rarely wrong, but um, he had a Buick. I, I think he had a GNX, and uh, yeah. he, he raves about that car, because he said it was just so, you know, I think he said it, he, he turned a 12.5 quarter mile in it and 109 miles an hour or something like that. And this is like yeah. 20 years ago, you know, it was a used car, it had 100 and whatever thousand miles on it. And it was kind of what you were saying, it's this unbelievable performance and surprising performance, because people don't, never looked at Buicks as being muscle cars, even like the GSX that you were talking about. I mean, that was kind of the, the equivalent of the Chevy, the, the Chevelle at the time and people never looked at Buick as being a performance oriented luxury you know not luxury car but performance oriented car muscle car pony car whatever you want to call it and I think that's where they kind of took everyone by surprise especially when the GSX or GNX or I I can never get the exact uh, nomenclature down because I thought they made both did they make a GSX and a GNX or or I I, I always get confused but I think well, the, I- there was the GS, and yeah. there was a GSX, uh, as I understand. And, and again, I'm not an expert on any particular car, so people who are Buick aficionados can feel free. What's the website? Uh, it's a, the it's a Car Guys Report at Hotmail dot com. But yeah, then you were talking every, about the every you, one of those. You were talking about the GNX, though, right? The 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 V six so Turbo. There, there was the Grand, Grand National, and then there was I think a GS G, G, Grand National X two. Yeah. Uh, which was uh, uh, so so you know a part of that that eighty seven eighty six Buick. Thing, yeah, exactly. Which was really uh, really a lot of fun, and um, so I've I've grown to appreciate that car um, as I'm uh, uh, I'm just looking it up too. It's called the Jeep. GNX Grand National as well as the uh, Grand National. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but just a great car. So I'm going to shift, uh, uh, but I do agree with you. I think the, the reason why the Riviera is not in the top three is because uh, the Riviera has, a, a, I'll call it, too much class and style. Hmm. So, so it's somewhat confusing to me. Meaning, if it was, if you, if you said, Lou, pick the classiest Buick you'd like to ride in, it would probably be the Riviera. If you said, Lou, pick the class, most the, the most well-designed Buick, 
it would probably be the Riviera, the 60s Riviera. Yeah. But if it was specifically what would I pick if I was picking, then it wouldn't be that. So that's the uh, that's the interesting piece there. So okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go go uh, uh, another GM product, Pontiac. Well, again, I'm a little biased here, so I'll go with a Firebird because I own a Firebird, my 75 Formula 400. Um, I wouldn't have to say that that's the pick to click there, but some sort of Firebird I would like to own. Um, the F-Body that I have is a great car, so I wouldn't be a Trans Am guy, though. I, I do like the Formula just because I like the hood design with the scoops, and it's just not as showy. It's more understated than the Trans Am, but it still had great performance and really good road holding. So I would take that. I'm not an expert on Pontiacs, per se, because they always seem to kind of fly under the radar. Some sort of GTO I would probably take. I don't know if it would be a Judge or or something, you know, uh, crazy like that. And then maybe some sort of early 60s um, Pontiac that you just don't see very often. Uh, my cousin-in-law has a 60, I think it's a 61 uh, Bonneville, and it's a two-door hardtop, and it's just a cool car. It's got those those great. Um, I think it's the one that has the um, those like eight lug wheels or six lug wheels that are integral to the brake drum. So the the wheel is part of the brake drum. It's got that cool finned look on it, and it's just it's just a cool car. And you just don't see those cars. You don't see them, and it just shows that you know that's when they're starting to do the wide track stuff and. The, the influence of John DeLorean was starting to show through with the company a lot, and I just think that that could be a very cool car, uh, too. So an early 60s Pontiac, uh, Firebird, probably an F-Body like I have, and a GTO, I think would be my three picks to click. Well, we connected on the GTO. It would be a 69 uh, hideaway headlight, you know, Judge. Uh, and it, that one doesn't have to be a convertible. I'm fine yeah. with the hard top. Yeah, I, I'm not a big convertible guy, so I would definitely be talking hard tops here. Yeah, so, something about that one with the body design for me. I just like the body design. Sec, second on the Pontiac, I'd have to go with the uh, uh, probably the '77 Trans Am. Okay, yeah, the Smokey uh, and the Bandit. Yeah. The, the bandit, yeah. the, the first one. I, I like it when there was the, uh, I'll call it the eyes were together and the, the came down into the beak at mm-hmm. the center versus you separated the eyes out a little bit. I think that was 79 or, or 78. Um, maybe 78 still had the, uh, had the net, the beak too. Um, and then, and then probably something like a, um, see that third one's like, hard to get. Well, I think for me the third one is not super hard to get because it would be I, – I, I'm a little bit torn between going for like an earlier GTO, like a 64 mm-hmm. and 65, mm-hmm. or, or going for, um, you know, a Super Duty Trans Am. I, mm-hmm. think, I think those are kind of a coin toss for me. But if I had to pick one over the other, they said, Lou, here they are, just pick – I'd probably go with the Super Duty, like a 73 or something really? like that. Because I was going to say yeah. that unless you know it's a Super Duty, it really doesn't look any different than – a Don Super Duty one. And if you're going to get something that special, don't you want to kind of make it, st- you know, wish it would stand out a little bit more? True, but to, 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 to go along with that theme, the Le Mans and the Tempest look a lot like a GTO, yeah. with the exception of the badges on the outside. Yeah. So, you know, the badges do make a difference, um, you know, on those cars because they usually talk about internally what's happening uh, or potentially suspension-wise what's happening. So, um yeah, I, I think it would be be two Trans Ams and a GTO, huh. 
uh, would be my Pontiac choices. Well, you are just like this muscle car mania here with all these <laughs> different, uh, well, you know, well, Buick. Well, yeah. I'll take the GNX, uh, Chevrolet. Well, I want the Corvette. Although the Corvette's not really a muscle car, but you know, it just well, seems like I you're. Was, I was yeah, I was borderlining the Pontiac Aztec for a while mm-hmm. over the GTO, but then I, I got to my senses and said a GTO might be better than an Aztec. Well, the BMW X6 is <laughs> taking the place of the Pontiac Aztec these days, and so is the Mercedes. They have a GLC, I think it is now, AMG, that looks a lot like reminiscent of the Aztec from 15 years ago. So everything old is new again, just uh, reimagined and reborn, I guess. Um, All right, I'm going to switch gears to a okay. Area, let's go with your uh, uh, top three Aston Martins. Oh, you know, it's funny because again, <laughs> I would have to go with the one that I have just because I have a DB7 uh, Vantage V12 with a six-speed manual. Um, I would probably pretty much take that car just the way it is if I could find that GT version, which we had talked about on a previous episode of of our podcast. I would be interested in something like that to supplant the, the db7 i have now but let's go with the db7 classic uh, db5 uh james bond era aston martin yeah goldfinger car and maybe some, one of the funky and i, I i'm not i think they just call it the aston martin v8 uh the cars that they were making in the like the late 70s early 80s just not a ton of style to them, but they're just big, massive, hunking cars. And um, they're it's funny because you just don't, again, you don't see that many because they didn't make that many. And it's just a, a car that has something to it that I kind of like. So I think it's called the Aston Martin V8. I think it was, I think that's all they called it. Um, and it was late 70s, early 80s, or maybe even into the mid 80s. Um, because that was still when Aston Martin was a, they're still a very small company, but they've always had perennial money problems and they could never have a big budget for developing new models and things like that. And, um, you know, they kind of had to stick with certain body styles for a longer time. So I'd be curious to see what your, your top three Aston Martins are, because I don't think I've ever heard you really talk about Aston Martins in depth other than doing the video on my car. So well, all right. So I started off with, uh, believe it or not, I think the new Aston Martins are okay. pretty cool. Yeah, you like them? So um, I would, you know, the, there's the Vanquish, mm-hmm. there's the uh, there's the Valkyrie, which is which is like a spaceship company. Oh, yeah, I think they only made like three um, of those, so yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, completely crazy, but just, you know, so I've, I've never seen one live. So let me, let me condense my choices to something I've seen rather than something you only dream about, right? So, uh, I mean, you know, I dream about riding the space shuttle sometimes, just going to the moon for a burger and coming back, but it's not going (laughs) to happen. So, um, you know, because I wouldn't have enough guts to be up there for a really long time, so I just have to have, like, a zip there, do a drive-through. Yeah, but sometimes those drive-throughs can be pretty slow, so you might be up there for a while. (laughs) So... um, I like the uh, uh, I like the I like the Goldfinger car choice, the DB5. Yeah. I also like the older ones. I think they look a little more uh, usually. Now here you hear I talk about GTO Judge. Now, I like the older ones, like the DB2s, and uh-huh. that they're a little more sedated than the DB5 starts to come become a little more. I'll call it manly. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, I'd have to have some. I, I think I'd pick something 
something new. You know, I, I like the new designs on the cars. I like the tails on them. Uh, whatever the 2020 and uh, Aston Martin is, I'm just curious. I mean, uh, uh, I think they're really doing some really cool things there. So The only unfortunate uh, thing is, and, and this isn't a knock to Mercedes at all, but they are using Mercedes drivetrains now and basically Mercedes, like, dashboard HVAC systems. And, I mean, Mercedes engine is awesome, and they're using that, like, 4-liter V8, I think. Um, but it's just disappointing that the brand, to me, is getting a little diluted because they're not developing their own engines at this point. So, yeah. to me, that always is a little bit of a iffy situation if you're spending that much coin on a car well i've seen like the db11 i've seen that one live that's that i think is really cool too so the the new aston martins is definitely i like i like the direction i i wanted to pick a brand I, you know i picked chevy i picked uh, uh pontiac i you know and i wanted to pick a brand that i know is exciting for you yeah <laughs> all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna switch gears now again and, uh, and do we got to go to somebody else's, like, give a commercial for something? Well, yeah, let me take a quick break here, yeah, let's and go. then we can get back to your next one, which I'm waiting with bated breath to find out what it is. We have sanitized all our OPI shows for your protection, but you should still be wearing a mask. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19 by following the CDC guidelines. You'll be saving the world, and also be sure to wash your hands. That's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to wash my hands, and uh, Lou will uh, clean off some of that Arizona dust uh, out at at uh, Chateau Constable West, and we'll be back after this. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, you're going shopping. Gifts, gifts, and more gifts. More gifts and more interrupting. Gifts galore <laughs> from the interrupters as Steve and I interrupt each other trying to recommend these great gifts. Wonderful suggestions to give your loved ones as Christmas approaches, and it's never too early to start shopping. No doubt about that, and you know what? A lot of them are under $10. But don't give any of that stuff to me. <laughs> On the next Back to you. Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. If you missed Los Ano or Los Los Ano and friends, here's what you missed. Toilet seats. I always lowered the seat and the cover. Mm -hmm. However, I do argue, I don't sit down all that much. (laughs) You would think I would be the one accidentally falling in, not the person who every single time goes, sit down. Look before you leave. (laughs) On my old TV show, we did this question about asking local media celebrities if they lower the toilet seats. Readers, who do you have? I have Ron Majors. He says, I think the argument gets convoluted by separating the toilet seat from the lid. I would argue that the lid should always be closed. If we accept that the lid should always be closed and that most lids and seats can be operated as either one unit or two, then the answer is easy. Both men and women should close the lid. Either way, we are both performing one function, an equal function. We both lift something to use the toilet and we both close something when we are done. Ron went deep. Wow. Right. What a like, that sounds like he was given that from like the Lincoln Monument. <laughs> 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 Radio Misfits. Get more Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lozano or whatever it's called. 
And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with Luke Hospital. We're having just a great time here talking about uh, pretty much BS as far as cars are concerned. We're talking about uh, cars, uh, brands that we like and know and love and which would be our our, uh, picks for uh, some of those brands. And Lou has just been... um, Coming up with these brands, we've talked Chevy, Buick, Aston Martin. That's quite a, uh, a, a selection there. So what's your next one on the, on, on your list there, Lou? We'll, we'll save more of them because this is a fun conversation, I think. Uh, we'll do one more. And okay. I'm on the General Motors vein. Maybe the next time we'll do, well, you know, I, it, I'm going to give you a choice. Should we save Cadillac for the you know next episode? Keep something for GM, or should we go to go to Ford, or go to uh, uh, American Motors, or or wow. go to Jaguar, or uh, you know go to uh, Rolls Royce, or where would you like to go next? Um, well, you kind of already spilled the beans, so uh, and I've got some um, pretty good choices for Cadillac, so let's go there. Okay. All right, so we'll stay all, we'll stay all GM. Did we miss anything, GM? Uh, oh yeah, we didn't do Oldsmobile. We didn't do um, Buick, Olds, Pontiac, Chevy, and uh, and Caddy. So yeah, Oldsmobile and technically GMC, but that's trucks. So, but yeah, the Oldsmobile no, was the only one. Car guys report. My Cadillac picks would be pretty interesting. Uh, there's a lot to choose from there. I would the new one I would I would start with would be a um the CTSV wagon that they don't make anymore. They made them I think uh or discontinued them 20 2014 20 something around that time. But fire that, breathing. That's fire got breathing that supercharged yeah, LS whatever in there with 555 horsepower and it's the wagon and uh it's just a it's just a hellacious car so i would totally go with that and then those have definitely been picking up and collect uh collector interest as well uh i'd have to go with some kind of classic rat pack uh mid-60s coupe de ville i wouldn't still wouldn't do the convertible i'd go with like a, a like an awesome 65 coupe de ville um with uh, i don't know what color it could be because it could be you know I, I don't know if i'd want to go black i mean caddies we've talked about this before too on the show lou that caddies look good in white white's a great color for a cadillac so some some sort of mid-60s coupe de ville and then probably something from the f- maybe like a 49 cadillac that is just a, a classic car um big massive tank like heavy um so that's what yeah i'd go with a 49 a 65 coupe de ville and then the ctsv wagon would be my would definitely be my picks to click there awesome cars yeah the fact that you picked the wagon first out of every cadillac just (laughs) it's like i don't even know you sometimes okay so all right but i'm getting to know you so as as the rest of the people are but um, I would go with, uh, if you're going to go Cadillac, you got to go big. So why yeah. not go with the 59 Eldorado, get the tail okay, sure. going, drop, drop the top. And, Front wheel drive. And just, you know, just, just float down the highway and you're just the king of the road. So so that, that ends that story right there. That would be uh, probably number one. The, the other ones would be interesting. I think I'd go with a... Um, and I've only seen one of them. I believe it was a 69 Eldorado. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is one of the front-wheel drive. Yeah. And uh, you just don't see them anymore. No. Uh, I, I've seen one of them since I've been looking for cars. 
that 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 you're 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 chasing after, and um, so a '69. Uh, uh, matter of fact, give me a second. I, I'm just uh, while I'm talking to you, I'm checking it out. It might be a '68 Eldorado. I believe me. I, I believe that that car was built off the same platform, obviously, as the '66 Olds Tornado, because it has the same V8 front engine, front, right. front wheel drive platform in it. Right. And well, yeah, those are awesome cars. They they have kind of like the nice creased fenders on them and kind of squared off wheel wells. And and, um, and, and you're right, you don't like see them. It. Yeah, the thing I liked about it is uh, uh, the '68, I believe, had the hideaway headlights. Mm-hmm. So it gives it a very stealthy look. Well, you're into hideaway headlights, though, because you're always talking about them. So. Yeah, if, if it has them and you have the choice between the hideaways or the non-hideaways, like a 69 Camaro, if I could have hideaways versus non-hideaways, I'd rather have hideaways. But um, I just think it gives it a smoother look and a little more, more sinister when the grill goes all the way across. Um, same thing with the GTO in 69. But uh, And then my third choice, for Cadillac, boy. So um, you said you wanted a, a, a later model Eldorado as well? Your first choice? Like a 76, like the huge, big 500 cubic inch ones? or No, the first choice would be the 59 Cadillac. Oh, 59, I'm sorry. I thought you said, I, okay, I, I misunderstood you. Yeah, the 59 with the fins and everything, sure, yeah. And yeah, then the Eldorado, 68, 69 Eldo, and then yeah. your third choice. Right. Which and is? I'd say my, my third choice, well, it ain't going to be a wagon, I'll tell you that. Um, my <laughs> third choice, boy, I, I do, I, I'd say I'd probably go back to the to the 60s. Oh, I take that back. I apologize. My first choice, uh, my favorite is a 57 Cadillac. Yeah, the, the, the Barretts with the stainless steel roof and the suicide doors. No, this is the, I think that's the 58. This is. The, the year before that, I liked the single headlight versus that's the one thing I... No, they I they made that in 57. They did. They made the Barretts yes. in, in 57. Oh, oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. So the 57, the 57 uh, with the, with the, still has fins, yeah. but it has like a, you know, two taillights in mm-hmm. the back. It's yep. not really, you know, that, that, so that would be my first choice, then a 59, then a, then a 68. Okay. Um, but I, I want to encourage our listeners... To also look at Cadillac, Pontiac, Buick, Aston Martin. <laughs> what is what's the email? CarGuysReport at hotmail dot com. CarGuysReport at hotmail dot com. I'd love to hear their picks to click as well. And then maybe we could read some of them. You know, so and so came you know, from and tell us where you're from. You know, city, state, you don't have to give us your exact address. But, uh, you know, from Costa Rica, from... Well, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. when when you start Australia. getting into the... the Australia, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing very well in Australia, and I, I, I want to thank all our listeners uh, down there very much for your support, that, you know, when people decide to export cars from the U.S., you're going to get the cars like the 59 uh, Caddy and, the you know, those those really desirable collector cars that are going to show up in, in places like Sweden or Australia or Japan. So it would be interesting to see if that really holds true because that's the idea that I have, you know. Of course, I'm the one that would import a 58, you know, Buick 
station wagon if I lived in Australia. <laughs> They'd be like, what are you doing that for, mate? Well, because I like it. So that's the way it goes with that. But um, how about one more BS topic, Lou? Then we'll do a short promo. Then we'll get on to the Car Guys Report guessing game if you're sure. uh, ready for that. So, well, um, you know, you're always monitoring the, the, the you know, take care of us. You, you monitor the time. <laughs> well, well, I mean, we could go for hours. and I don't think we want to regale our listeners with, with uh, three hours of you and me talking about car BS. <laughs> it's one of those things. But, you know, I, I went into this. I didn't really have much written down. I just wanted to see where this was going to take us, and I'm glad that you have, um, you know, definitely supplied uh, uh, a lot of the topics that uh, we're talking about. I was just, uh, like I said, I didn't want to have it devolve into a, into a big uh, bitch session, which it has not, which is nice. So, um I'm just trying to think of one other thing to uh, talk about. If you have any ideas, you can you can jump in too. Because, like I said, I just kind of went to this open ended and and didn't have a whole lot to uh, to uh, come up with. I didn't have a regimented list like I usually do. So that's the uh, the reason that uh, I'm kind of searching right now for something. I'm looking around the Car Guys Report warehouse, seeing tires and seeing uh, a few other things here, but. Um, let me see. Uh, what are you driving down? Uh, now that you're out in Arizona, too, what do you have out there? Do you have the Jaguar? or um, I have had the Jaguar out here. Yeah. Might I add, it really feels normal in this climate with that car. You know, there are other Jaguar friends it meets, and it can beep and flash bright lights and things and feel comfortable. It doesn't have that experience where I live in Illinois. Matter of fact, it's 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 like a rare cat out there. Yeah. But I'm driving a Jeep Four x Four Limited with a nail in the driver's <laughs> tire, uh, the passenger tire in the back. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So so I just loaded it with air, and I'm going to be returning it back to them to sh- to show them where the where the uh, uh, nail's at because it's. Uh, uh, fairly easy to see. Okay. Thankfully, it was and, on the outside of the tire. And that's a rental car. Yeah. Okay. It's going, it's going back. Uh, so it's a Cherokee then, now. right? A Cherokee Limited. Yeah, it's a Cherokee Limited. Yeah. It's going to be going back uh, in in uh, uh, after our show. Okay, that's a car that I had as a loaner uh, over the winter when I was having the issues with the uh, Fiat Five Hundred, and I was pretty impressed with that vehicle. Um, I think I had talked about this on the program before that it only has like a two. Well, at least the one I had had a had a two liter turbo in it. But it was tuned to like 295 horsepower. I couldn't believe it. Wow! And it was just like, man, that is pretty impressive. And I actually liked the car. It was it was like a deep charcoal, almost black, but it was like a deep charcoal gray. It had leather, black leather seats. It had all the basically the same switch gear that my Dodge Challenger has, which makes sense because it's all FCA. But I didn't have the Challenger at the time, so when I bought the Challenger, I'm like, hey, this reminds me of the stuff that I had in the in the uh, Cherokee. Um, but I was actually pretty impressed by it, and it wasn't a super. I don't know what the the sticker price was on that car. I think it was thirty ish something, low thirties. But it was very well equipped, and like I said, the powertrain just blew me away because it, that they were getting that much power out of the two liter uh, turbo just really surprised me. I actually had to look it up online to make sure because I popped the hood when I got it home because like I want to know what's in this thing. I don't know if it's a V six or a turbo or whatever, and and I'm like, wow, it's only got a four pot in there. That's amazing. So. 
That's kind of interesting. You seem to have a penchant for running over over nails and things lately. You had issues, I think, with didn't you have a, a problem with your, your Viper having a flat tire, and then one of your yep. one of your kids yep. had problems with uh, the Honda. And do they just do you have a magnetic personality, Lou? What is it? That is, you know, it must be. Somehow I, I gravitate the uh, metal in the road, and I, I, I do my best to find it, apparently. I, uh, a lot of people have the ability to just, you know, move to the side or move out of the way. I have the ability to hit it just like a pothole in the winter, boy. I'll well, tell you, I'm it, right on it. It's interesting because I just read this in the paper yesterday, and I don't know if this is true or not, but it, it does support where you said you had the you have a nail in the one of the rear tires, right? It's in the passenger side rear tire. I originally said driver's side, which yeah. was incorrect. But it's the rear. The passenger rear tire. Yeah. It's very easy to see. Because it's, it's on the outside tread. There was a, a, somebody that wrote in and said that, um, I, I don't know if he works at a tire shop or something, but they said they see more cars with nails in them on the rear tires. And their, their thinking or their philosophy was that if you roll over, let's say a nail is like sitting on the road and the front tire rolls over the nail, but it doesn't puncture the tire. The front tire actually flips the the nail into the air or into the perfect position for the rear tire to actually roll over it and therefore get punctured. I don't know if that's and and the, and the columnist said, "Well, I'd like to see that in slow motion to see if it really works that way." But it's interesting that you said you just had a uh, a puncture in your rear tire. So maybe there could be some credence to that philosophy there. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, right. so did it happen? I mean, was was that did did you roll over it after you got it as a rental, or was it already there when you picked it up and you just didn't know about it? We went to a uh, we went to a local park. My son wanted to shoot some baskets, and you know it was somewhat gravel there. Oh, okay. We came we came off a, um, uh, but it could have been on a street. I mean, it you know so. Uh, I don't know, but it seemed like after we came back from that, we got in the car that evening, and you know, thankfully, thankfully, what happened there was that there was a. Um, You'll get the, uh, the the notification with the tire pressure monitoring. Right, yeah, right, right off, right off the bat, yeah. we jumped in the car, and right off the bat, it said the back tire is at twenty four. Yep. Uh, you know, psi, and uh, you know, I said, well, let me see if there's anything back there, and sure enough, it was. Extremely that, obvious. I'm not a back. big fan of TPMS systems, just because I'm a person that uh, keeps tabs on their tire pressure, but they have gotten a lot better because the original ones just had that little like flat tire icon that comes up, but it didn't tell you, it wouldn't tell you what the pressure was or which tire it was. And now most cars seem to have the individual display where it will give you the, the tire pressure reading on each tire. And then if you have an issue like you had, it actually highlights the tire that it thinks has the issue. So, uh, there is some credence to that. Um, my girlfriend just yesterday had her tire pressure light go on on the uh, Prius. And I said, well, I just had to go on on the um, Fiat, too. And I know there's nothing in the tire. And it's just the, the temperature change because we had some cooler weather from warmer weather last week. And when you get that first, like, season change where you get, like, the 20 or 30-degree temperature drop and the colder temperatures at night, and these cars are parked outside, um, it, the tires lose, you know, the, the, the I think it's tw- uh, a pound, like a little over one pound per square inch for each 12-degree temperature drop and ambient temperature. And that's why the system thinks you're low on air, and you are, but you don't have a you don't have a, a nail or something in your tire. But it is telling you that you better 
you know, inflate the tires. So I got her Prius bumped up to correct pressure. I got the Fiat bump up to correct pressure. The lights went off and we're fine. So uh, there is some credence to that. The only thing that a lot of people don't realize is the fact that, you know, these TPMS systems, depending on, on which kind of car you drive, some of them, I don't know how many of them nowadays have to get programmed at the dealer. Most of them program on their own, so you don't have to go to the dealer to get them reprogrammed. But it can add, you know, $100, $200 to a tire change if they've been in your car long enough. Let's say you've got a car that's five, six, seven years old, and they have batteries in there that probably last about 10 years. You go in to get new tires for the first time, and they might say, like, oh, well, you should really replace your tire pressure sensors, too. And that can add, you know, some additional expense. So I think it's it's one of these things that it's good to a point, but then it's also just something that costs us more money out of our pockets. So, um you know, something that a lot of people don't necessarily realize these days. And one thing I was impressed, too, it's interesting that you brought that up because there are, I, I've been doing these research things on it. One thing that, again, impressed me about my new Dodge Challenger, reading the owner's manual, because that has the tire pressure monitoring for the, you know, each tire and everything. It actually says in there that if you uh, put a tire on or put tires on without the tire pressure monitor installed inside the tire the system will give you the warning saying you know it can't detect anything but then there's a way that you can actually reset it so the light stays off and you can have tires without the tpms in them which is actually very cool and i think they do that because a lot of people probably track those cars and they have a whole different set of wheels and tires and they don't bother putting tpms sensors in those and you don't want that stupid light on all the time if you don't have uh tpms sensors on your wheels so i was just impressed that they actually did that because i would actually almost think that you know, it's going to be many, many years before I get tires replaced on that car. But I'm always thinking that, you know, maybe I wouldn't even bother putting TPS, TPMS sensors back in then because they can sometimes be a little bit more troublesome than they're worth, at least in my book. But so we've talked about that now, Lou. So <laughs> let's move on. Make sure to tell a friend about the Car Guys Report. We're available on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. To search for Radio Misfits, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, App, Amazon Music Podcasts, Amazon Audible, TuneIn, Android, Stitcher, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Spotify. The list goes on. That's where we are. And just remember, too, that when you uh, listen to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, you can you can uh, subscribe to our podcast you'll get an automatic push notification whenever there is new uh, content that would be every tuesday makes your uh, week uh, just that much better getting a uh, new uh, episodes of the car guys report on tuesday and remember when you listen to podcasts it's listening on your own terms whether you're in your car your boat your motorcycle your uh, office your park wherever you are whatever kind of device you're listening on whether you're listening in your car through uh, apple carplay or android Auto, or you're just listening on your phone, your laptop, your tablet, your desktop. It's listening on your own terms wherever and whenever you want. You can replay, you can delete, you can fast forward, you can rewind, you can do whatever you want. That's what podcasting with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network is all about, and all our podcasts are totally free the car guys report informed automotive mark vernon along with luke hostable we're just uh, getting towards the end here of our uh, bs session but uh it wouldn't be a car guys report episode without the car guys report guessing game where i get to get quizzed by lou uh what videos did well on his uh popular youtube channel my car story with lou take it away 
So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, what happens is uh, Lou has a um, YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou. You can go to YouTube, subscribe, hit the bell. You can see all the cars in the future. There's over 1,500 different cars there. And I'm going to give Mark, he can't see this, but I'm going to give him three different cars uh, based on, excuse me, based on the oldest first. And um, wherever that car's, uh, usually the car has been out uh, on the YouTube channel for a couple of months or a month and a half. Uh, and they've all been in the same week. So they'll all be around the same uh, time that they've been out there. And then one of them, of course, is going to have the most views. The second one is going to have, well, you guessed it, the second most views. And the third one will have the third most, the third least views, I guess you'd say. So Mark is going to guess by the number what has the most views, what has the second, and the third, and we'll see how he comes in in the game. But you get to play, too. So the first one is a 1954 Jaguar D-Type factory race car. So I was going to say that it's not a recreation. It's a a factory, true, genuine D-Type. This is the real museum piece car uh, that uh, we're not only – have to review, but we take a ride in it. Okay, so it's the video with the ride and the review of the real Le Mans 1954 Jaguar D-Type factory car. The second one by year is 1968, the Ford Mustang GT Fastback. Or you might be thinking Steve McQueen, exactly like that car, except this one's maroon and Steve McQueen's car had a 390. Well, we have a 428 in this one. <laughs> So this one was just a bad to the bone car, and it looks just phenomenal. And the last one is everything that those first two cars are not. It's a 1973 Chevy Vega notchback, but it has only 5,401 original miles to it. And it's a notchback, too, which I was probably would think that that was the least popular of the three Vega models. They had the Camback Wagon, they had the Hatchback, and then they had the Notchback, which is a trunk instead of a hatchback. So you don't see those very often at all. Uh, what color was that one? This one is uh, yellow, and it is a faded yellow. Wow, but so 5,400 uh, miles original. 54, yeah, 5,400 wow. original miles. And it's, it actually started at like 50, uh, 5398, but we drove it around a little bit, so... <laughs> Um, well, this this is an interesting uh, list here because, you know, my gut says to go with the Jag, but I'm kind of thinking I'm going to I'm going to do something totally off the wall here and I might fail miserably. But here goes. We'll go with the Mustang first, the Vega second and the Jaguar third. Mustang, Vega, Jaguar. Yeah. Correct? Okay. <laughs> you failed I miserably. I, well, the number one with 50,000 views was the Vega. It was. Yeah, I was tempted to go with number one on that. I really was, but that's yeah, incredible. Apparently, apparently just the fact that so many people remember the mm-hmm. Vega, and I say, remember, there used to be just a jillion of them out there, Yeah, and now, and now you just don't see them anymore. No, I you mean, don't. They're just non-existent and one of the challenges was literally they would rust out right in the dealership I mean, they would they yeah would, uh, they, they would rust out they would overheat just yeah total disaster so the 68 ford mustang gt fastback with a 428 was already an instant classic i mean everybody wanted that car that came in number two was seven thousand oh 168 so i was actually pretty close then because i picked yeah, the jag number, at number three number two 
Yeah, and and the Jag came in a sad one thousand seven hundred and twenty. And surprisingly, wow. I put the I put the Vega up first, and the next day was the well, two days later was the Jaguar. And so I went from fifty thousand viewers to one thousand seven hundred and twenty viewers. Wow! <laughs> so, and 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 we won't even discuss the price disparity. Oh yeah. The two. <laughs> I mean, isn't it that Jag's got to be a million dollar car? Easy, isn't it? Well, I I think you're way underestimated. Under, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you're. I think that's uh, that would be that would be the bargain price wow. back probably. Well, I feel the, sorry for the Jaguar now. Because yeah, you went it, for a ride in it, and it's and it's just I mean, just the, the the what that the historical value of that card, just alone, and just the history of it, is just you know what it what it signified and what it looks like and everything. That you know, I was originally thinking that got to be number one, but then I started thinking like you know, I bet it isn't, and it's unfortunate. Well, I think it tells a lot about the people who watch the channel because what happens is you know the people who watch the channel kind of similar to my picks earlier you know they probably come for the muscle cars and the classic cars that's obviously what we like that's what we goes and runs around and finds you know and then every now and then you find something that you know the museum is allowing you to to not only touch but get in and go for a ride yeah. in i mean wow. for example sterling moss drove this this exact car wow for a record 177 miles down a straightaway at one point. Wow. So so when you're talking about, you know, a, a living life, it would be like Elvis stopped over to your house to sing you Hound Dog for your birthday. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, you know, when you're talking about that kind of a car for a car person to have, you know, one of the, I'm going to say, you know, best slash craziest drivers probably on the planet, Sterling Moss, to drive this car at a record pace. Yeah. In the day, and then you're now getting a chance to just sit in the passenger seat. I mean, literally, the smile—I couldn't get it off my face. It was just like an impossibility. It was like I'm trying to be unhappy. I just can't because I'm smiling because I'm in this car. So, but uh, yeah, just no love for that car whatsoever. Oh. So maybe, maybe people can go take a look at it now. You well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, now that we've talked about it, maybe it'll uh, yeah, I, it'll get some love. Yeah, it was called Ride in a Real Le Mans. Uh, it, it looks like Le Mans, yeah. 1954 Jaguar D-Type factory wow. uh, race car. So, wow. Yeah, so that's uh, uh, that's quite the car. So, well, we'll we'll take a shot at the next. But car again, it, it episode. And again, it just shows the diversity of of cars on on your channel, Lou. From everything from a Vega notchback to a to a Jaguar D-Type, the real thing. I mean, that's a pretty wide uh, berth there. So I, that's what makes it so fun. If you haven't checked out Lou's uh, YouTube channel, it's My Car Story with Lou. Uh, Eighty five thousand plus subscribers, fifteen hundred videos, just some amazing things on there. And we do do the Car Guys Report guessing game on every episode of the Car Guys Report. And coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report. It's a 1964 Peel P50. What the heck is that? Well, you'll find out. It does not sell. Plus, another one of our famous lists. That and more on the next episode of the Car Guys Report. Mark Vernon along with Luke Hostable. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have had you along. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opie is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. And that would be radiomisfits.com. 
This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The preceding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of OPI Productions. Tony, can you shut up? And friends and everyone at OPI Shows want you to make sure to wash your hands. And if you're still one of those people who don't wash their hands after they use the bathroom, please do that now. That's something you should have been doing anyway. I Cover your mouth when you cough. Yeah, yeah. You can save the world by sitting on your ass at home. You cannot afford to miss this opportunity. You won't get another one. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Stay home. You will be saving the world. You know, I was uh, telling my kids the other day that uh, I never thought the 90s had a look, but you look at pictures of ourselves. Oh boy, the 90s really does have a look, doesn't it? If I would have known what was going to happen to my hair, <laughs> I wouldn't have gone through the mullet years. Is that your final haircut was the mullet? Yeah, well, the comb over, is that a haircut? That counts. Yeah, all right. Well, then no. But okay, that's good. It was the last official one. Did you ever have the the mullet in the back and the bald on top at the same time? No, no. You mean the Joe Dirt? Yeah, no, that, I never, that I never went been, Joe Dirt. That would have been a great look. Listen to <laughs> Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, Amazon, or wherever you find podcast just search for radio misfits hey this is tony losano with nude hippo the podcast and this week i have a special guest her name is amy records landa <laughs> it's not records <laughs> records is not your middle name <laughs> and we'll talk about the season finale of transparent on amazon prime and the next edition of nude hippo the podcast i am not nude though we don't know <laughs> nude hippo the podcast great talk radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place radio misfits.com no i like losano 